Welcome to High on the Hog with Merrill Schindler and co-hosts Joanna Belson and Janice Hardoon. This is a podcast about all things cannabis. Tune in every week as Merrill, Joanna, and Janice discuss the medical benefits of CBD and THC products with each other, as well as with informed guests from the cannabis industry and the lawmakers who regulate it. Enjoy the show. This is Meryl Schindler here on High on the Hog, the podcast. Our emphasis is on medicine. It's the medical use of cannabis. It's medical cannabis. This ain't a stoner show. No, there's anything wrong with that. But it's not a stoner show. It's really about the things that it's done for us. It's done for those we know and love. And it's done for people who amaze me. Their accomplishments, what they've done amaze me. Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, you were part of Weed the People, the movie. Um, what I saw happen in that movie was life-changing. Um, the, the, the remission of pediatric cancer through the use of medical cannabis was not coincidental. It, it worked. What, what was your experience there? So I've been a pediatric cannabis doctor now for almost 11 years, and I've seen, you know, hundreds and hundreds. I'm coming up on about a thousand pediatric patients, so a pretty big practice. Um, with cancer, you know, much of it depends on what time, uh, where in the course the child comes to me. You know, at the very end when everything's been tried and the poor child's been beaten up by chemo and radiation and God only knows what else, uh, is not the time to try cannabis. I always try to tell oncologists, send them to me when you know the prognosis is not good. Now, there are many cancers that have a decent prognosis, but the reality is, and I don't get to say 100% very often, 100% of pediatric cancer patients that come to me get some benefit from cannabis without side effects, meaning less nausea, better appetite, running around playing. I had a child who came to me at the end of uh, metastatic liver cancer. As a mom, it was so hard for me to look at this child. He was so, so sick. His liver was kind of poking out of his abdomen. That's how advanced his cancer was. He got one dose of cannabis. One dose. And when he was at home, and he had been crying nonstop during the evaluation in my office. The parents left my office, took the letters to a dispensary, got some oil for him. They gave him the oil. I told him, just give it to him in the car because this poor child is suffering. The mom texted me later and said he fell asleep for four hours and he woke up with a smile on his face and asked to go out to dinner. Now, unfortunately, that little boy didn't make it but at least I know at the end of life he had some quality. Now in the Weed the People movie, there's a story of AJ, a teenager. It's funny, there's two AJs in the the, uh, movie. But um, the older boy came to me, um, his oncologist sent him because he was uh, suffering with severe pain, metastatic bone cancer. He had been fighting for over two and a half years. He had had 17 surgeries, multiple rounds of chemo. I mean, what this boy went through. And when he came to me, he was having 104 fevers. He was having pain that was not being um, successfully treated with about 12 opiate pills a day, high dose opiates. And within a week of being on cannabis, his fevers were gone, his appetite was back, and his pain was controlled, and he was down to one opiate a day. Now, 
when they came, they really came for pain relief, but I did not want to let this boy die without trying high-dose cannabis. And why would I do that? Well, because there's anecdotal stories of people taking high doses of cannabis. Plus, in the scientific literature, it shows that high-dose THC, high-dose CBD, now we also know CBG, cannabigerol, also some of the acidic cannabinoids, THCA, CBDA, all have anti-cancer properties. So not only can they cause cancer cells to commit suicide, they can tell cancer cells to stop spreading, and they can also tell the cancer cells to stop building their own blood vessels to feed themselves. With that knowledge, why would I let a child come in who's at the end of life and may die? Let's give it a shot. What have we got to lose? That boy came to me at age 16, reported by the oncologist, will not see 17, and he just turned 20 a few wow. months ago. How do we not try right everybody wants to say well what if what if the one thing we know about cannabis after thousands of years on earth is it it's safe i got very lucky back in 2011 i got hired by a company who wanted me to develop a uh, program to educate doctors and they paid me for over a period of nine months to to create this program well i read every scientific article and i don't remember all of them but if you sat in a room for nine months reading all the scientific literature, the one thing that you might walk away with if you didn't pay any attention to any of it is that it is tolerated well by most humans and it is safe. And when we look at what we give to patients, chemotherapy, radiation, psychotropic medications, we know that there's a lot of side effects. And I will tell you that as a physician, I feel much more comfortable recommending cannabis than I do 99% of pharmaceuticals. I was recently at a seminar at uh, UCLA on cannabis and, and cancer. And uh, the, the doctors, you know, I mean, they, they spoke well of it, but they kept saying, but of course there's no research. There are no million dollar double blinds. Um, and yet, isn't anecdotal enough? Is it really enough? I mean, this, the 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 heart wrenching tales you're telling. <laughs> I don't know how you do what you do. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> help me out here, Joanna. Hi, Bonnie. <laughs> what more proof do you need? Right. What more do you need? Uh, well, I'll I'll share with you. So, why do some patients do well and some patients don't? Okay, I would like to know which cannabinoids kill which cancers, what dose, how long do I have to treat them for, what terpenes might be good to help in that, yeah. right? And remember, when we use cannabis, we are using whole plant, full spectrum, whatever you want to call it, with what by definition is what I call polypharmaceutical. There are lots of compounds in there. So knowing that I take isolated THC and stick it in a test tube and it kills bone cancer cells, that's very helpful. But it doesn't really help if I don't really know how much to give. So I tend to be aggressive and I give patients fairly high doses. Many of them don't need those high doses, but the beauty of it is it's flexible. But we need scientists to sit down and figure out. So you ask me, what, door, what more do we need? So for people today, mm -hmm. We don't have the research to know exactly what to give them, but what I will tell you is so far I've not hurt anybody, and it is a very flexible um, uh, regimen. 
But I would like to know as a, uh, you know, look, I'm a doctor, I, I trained in the sciences. I wanna know which chemovar, which um, um, terpenes plus cannabinoids is gonna kill breast cancer versus killing colon cancer. There are researchers in Israel, Dr. David Mieri, I'll give him a shout out. He's doing spectacular research to try to figure this out. Let's narrow it down out of the hundreds and hundreds of compounds in the plant. What exactly works? Right now, since I don't know, I put patients on what I call a broad spectrum. It's not just CBD, it's not just THC, it's a lot of different things that I put them on, a regimen. And the idea is if, let's say, you had a bacterial infection, but doctors didn't know what that bacteria is, they give you a, what we call a broad spectrum antibiotic that kind of covers everything until we kind of know, and then they narrow it down. Now, sometimes with patients we don't know, but if they're doing well, we know at least we're not gonna change anything. And if they're not doing well, sometimes we change it up. The other thing that I really wanna emphasize is that this is a natural, these are, these are natural compounds, right? Right. They are not going to get into your body and kill cancer in a week. It takes months of hanging in there with this regimen. We think about three to six months at least to take cannabis uh, in high doses. You don't have to start high, we start low and titrate up, but the idea is this is something natural and I like the analogy of like if I'm out of shape and I hit the gym tomorrow I'm not in shape tomorrow night when I get home it's gonna take me months to kind of get my muscles in shape and get my body used to that and again this is a natural treatment it takes time but at the same time remember it's not harming your healthy cells which you can get with radiation and chemotherapy is what you're using products that can be found at our dispensaries here in California or are they very specialized um, the answer is both. So okay. some products are in dispensaries if you were to use high-dose THC. So when I'm talking high-dose, I put patients on, remember many of them children, on very high doses of THC in combination with other compounds, let's say CBD and so on. So CBD dosing is 250 to 500 milligrams. If you go into a dispensary and the tincture you purchase, right. has, and then the bottle is 250 milligrams total, Yeah. That's a day's dearth. That's yeah. not the way that that these patients, and also pediatric epilepsy is another condition I see a lot of. Um, we need more concentrated um, oils, especially with children. Children, you can't give a child 50 milligrams uh, liquid if each, like let's say, dropper full is 5 milligrams. That means they're taking 10 dropper fulls. Good luck fighting a child to take 10 <laughs> right? dropperfuls of yucky tasting oil. Mm -hmm. So there are some specialty products in order to get the high dose. There is this. And do you compound those yourselves or? No, so I'm just aware of what's out Got it, so out you there, know where to send them. But who... I'm not, and as a licensed physician, I don't point them in one direction. I say, these are your options. See what you can find out of this large list well, of products. Well, you remember in Weed the People, there was a lady yeah. who was doing it in her kitchen. Right. right. The, and remember, uh, Weed the, the People right, started filming back in like 2013. And I like to call cannabis industry years like dog years. So <laughs> <laughs> a year that goes by in the cannabis industry is like many years. I mean, we're moving at the speed of light here. So even from 2013, 2014, that's all changed. Now most of these oils are being made in the laboratory space, a licensed facility. I mean, that's really what we're going for. Look, I had a family that came in two weeks ago with a little beautiful little boy with, who, has, who has leukemia. The parents decided to start cannabis oil right when he was diagnosed, which was a good idea if you ask me, yeah. okay? They were terrified of telling anybody, so they told nobody. 
they were buying oil off the underground market. So they came to see me about a year ago, they, or I'm sorry, about a month and a half ago, after already a year on oil. They saw the Weed the, the, Weed the People movie and decided, you know what, maybe we should have a physician helping us. So they came to see me and the dad breaks out this little container of oil, concentrated cannabis oil, and I took a smell of it, almost like in the movie where they say yeah, yeah. Oh, it smells like alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, boy, it is kind of strong alcohol. I said, look, it's a deal breaker for me to get oil from some guy that sends it to you. It has, this is a child who's getting chemo, right? right. potentially could relapse, potentially could die. This, this is, I need to know what's in that, right? So we arranged for them to get it tested at a licensed uh, laboratory. And the laboratory was lovely. They did it for free for the family because it's a child with cancer. And it was an oil that had cannabinoids and terpenes and so on, but it had 19,000 parts, uh, uh, parts per million of rubbing alcohol. Ugh. Okay, that's not okay. Um, so now if that could be purged out of that product or, you know, it, everything else looked okay, but that would not be something, one, that would pass and would be in a dispensary now. And two, even if it was underground, we still have to know what it is. So there's still a little, there are people out there who are trying to help and they're putting out products. I mean, I tell every parent, it must be tested. We have the testing capability, it must be tested. There's no question that a lot of physicians and researchers are still saying you can't trust anything and I disagree with that. There have been products that I've, I've myself sent to get tested at three different labs and they've all come back pretty close that's pretty yeah. good. There are certain products that we've we've spoken about, that we've interviewed, we've dealt with, that that Janice carries, um, that well, we know are well tested. I mean, there it it really is white lab coat time. These guys are doing tests and tests on top of tests, and the equipment they're using is extremely sophisticated. So, and then there's stuff that's indeed probably being done in somebody's garage, and it should be right on the label of any products yes. you're buying right there the testing results are where you can find them and that's how you know but even with that it gets very confusing i mean there are products that i've i've, I've seen where i'm looking at the label going i don't see what's in here right. i don't understand this is this is a a, a well-respected product why aren't they talking about how much thc mm -hmm. how much cbd why aren't they telling me that it has stuff? to be it's or not it's, legal then or it's on there but you can't figure out how much to take because they'll tell you the total amount in the bottle well that's right. not helpful because then you don't know quote what a dose is yeah right. and often right. they will tell the total so, amount of the chocolate bar of the mints of the right. uh, the tincture right. whatever and indeed you ha how much how much am i taking i don't know it's getting better i would say because everything is labeled but i yeah. still say it's a little confusing again because there isn't standardized uh you know, X equals five milligrams. We still don't have that on every single product because we, when parents come in to see me, they bring the product. So I right. see, oh yeah, this is tested and safe, but they don't know to take the total amount of THC and divide it by how many milliliters in the bottle. If you don't have that math, you don't, you're not gonna know what you're doing. So, you know, anybody listening, if you label products, put how many milligrams per one ml. That is extremely helpful, especially if it's, it's a tincture. I did this for a job for like half a minute, so yeah. I'm laughing. But yeah, the, the other thing is there's limited real estate on the packaging. So there's certain things that have to be there legally on the primary panel. 
um, because the California Department of Public Health requires it. But so if you're looking at something and it only has this amount, you got to cut something. Yeah. So that's and a you challenge. know it's more useful than um, you know the way McDonald's puts their calorie count on the walls. It's like. Honestly, if we're eating at McDonald's, we don't care what the calorie count is. But if we're using uh, CBD, THC, etc., we very much care what the content is. Um, you have to jump through an amazing number of hoops. You are very restricted, if I'm correct, in what you can and cannot do. Can you tell us about some of them? Sure. So as a licensed physician, I have to follow what's called standard of care. Since I'm not the diagnosing physician, I require medical records ahead of time to document the condition for which somebody is reaching out to me. So I'll give you an example. Years ago, a young man came into my practice, I would say about 10 years ago, and said, I'm vomiting. Every morning I wake up and vomit. I said, well, have you been to the doctor? No, I don't really want to go to the doctor. Okay, so I can't treat that, okay? Sure, cannabis will stop him from vomiting, but what if he has a brain tumor? Am I doing him a favor by saying, sure, here's some cannabis. Mm-hmm. Now you won't vomit, but yet the tumor will still grow, right? So we doctors are trained to think kind of worst case scenario. So if somebody's not diagnosed, I'm not allowed to mask the symptoms with cannabis. So you have to have a proper diagnosis. And I just call it fact finding. Just because you go to the doctor does not mean you have to take the prescription or take the advice of the doctor. They're giving you their medical opinion and you can weigh that however you like. But in order for a cannabis physician to be able to help you, we have to know what we're dealing with, right? I don't want to just mask vomiting. I want to know why. And it turns out he actually had, he went and got checked. He had acid reflux. Wow. And part of it was dietary. So between cannabis and changing his diet, he was thrilled with the results. And not going to McDonald's, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, um, so having a diagnosis is very important. I have to know what medication somebody is on because CBD, cannabidiol, interacts in the liver with about somewhere you know on average 60 to 70 percent of all pharmaceuticals so you can actually mess up your other medication by taking cbd if you do not have somebody look into that for you that's really important yeah. i don't think anyone and understands very little that. understood at all well at so all. medically we understand it in fact there we know exactly where cbd is metabolized in the liver and the way i like to explain it is imagine a, a crowded bar and there's one bar stool. And that bar stool is the bar stool where if you sit there, um, you get metabolized by the liver, you get broken down, okay? So CBD, let's say it's one bar stool, CBD and whatever drug you're taking, they're both competing for that space on that enzyme on that bar stool, okay? And if CBD takes up that space, the other drug doesn't get metabolized and can build up. If that's a chemotherapy that can become toxic right if you build it mm-hmm. and your body's not able to metabolize it but let's say the drug gets the bar stool and cbd is kind of trying to get to the bar stool it may be increasing the metabolism of that drug and so your body's clearing out that drug a little bit more and it may drive that level down subtherapeutic levels now you're not getting the benefit of that drug so anytime someone wants to come see me, I must have a list of current medications so I can go through what, if we're going to use CBD, what potential drug-drug interactions there will be. And this is also why anybody, elderly, any children, anybody who's contemplating you know, taking cannabis, if you're on other medication, it 
behooves you to have an appointment with a doctor at least to go over this because this is not unknown we do know this okay and there's a website where actually you can go and look up there's a website called drug bank you can actually put in the drug that you're taking or look up that drug and then look at the metabolism and actually look for drug interactions. So it's not unheard of. It's just that people don't think of it, I think. So blood thinners, seizure medications, certain chemotherapies, a lot of the new immunotherapies that are being used for um, um, cancer treatment. These are all drugs that we have to research because we don't certainly don't want to make somebody toxic and I sure as heck don't want to make a drug that's helping them go to a lower lower level in their body and that would yeah. be sub-therapeutic it's um for the patient there the hoops are so many last year i came down with an awful autoimmune thing called uh, bullous pemphigoid um uh, little known <laughs> not not to me anymore but um it's you a know, brutal I, I, skin I, condition I, I, yeah it, brutal yeah I, I was put on massive doses of prednisone sure. uh, massive doses of cellcep and I found a great deal of relief from CBD and THC, but was always very cautious when I would take something because I didn't know how they would interact, particularly right. the prednisone, right. which is pretty strong. So, I mean, I was taking a bunch, it's you know, to knock it down, and it was pretty strong stuff. It was like, okay, I'm going to take this. I'm hoping for the best here. Right. I'm itching and my brains not, out. Right. And you shouldn't have but to. But it worked. Right. It worked. Well, you also <laughs> shouldn't have to worry when you're on medication, if you're going, this is, we have this knowledge. You just have to find yeah. the knowledge or but go to somebody. Say, yeah. when I was saying to, to my specialists, they would say, well, I'm glad it's working. It sounds very interesting because we can't speak about it. Okay, so let me clear that up right yes. away. Yeah. Okay, there is a uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, finding that physicians have protected speech with their patients. Okay. Okay, and this came from a federal case where they tried when when California passed Prop 215 back in 1996 the federal government went after uh, wanted to sue the state and say doctors can't talk about this because it they're recommending a schedule one drug okay and what ended up happening is it went to court and there is now this Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals statement that says physicians have free speech and if we think something is going to help you we are allowed to speak about it, and we cannot get in trouble. I'm not for sure that. the word has gotten out on that. Well, I agree with you. Well, they need to listen to High on the Hog. I <laughs> joke around that doctors are like the three monkeys: their hands over their ears, no. their eyes, and their mouth. Yeah. Right? One doctor, do no evil, see say, no evil, speak no evil. Say, this is very interesting. I'm glad to hear that, but of course, I can't say anything. So that is not true. Yeah. That's fear speaking, right, yeah. or ignorance. How we are allowed to speak about it. And really what a doctor should say instead is, I don't know, instead of I'm not allowed to, right. because they are allowed to. One of the reasons I wrote my book was to not only educate lay people, but it was to educate physicians. Now for physicians, it may not be sciencey enough, but it is an, I call it a primer. It's an introduction into understanding that we have this endocannabinoid system where cannabis works. And the really crazy thing is that almost every medical school still does not teach about the endocannabinoid system and this is a system is the most widespread receptor receptor system in your nervous system it's also throughout your your immune system and your gut and we're ignoring it as doctors i mean that just seems crazy there's so much that seems crazy we should tell people that the book you're talking about is called cannabis revealed by dr bobby goldstein 
and um, I'm looking forward to going through it. It's called, the subtitle is How the World's Most Misunderstood Plant is Healing Everything from Chronic Pain to Epilepsy, which is certainly a wonderful promise. On the back, um, it refers to you as a specialist in cannabis medicine, but you can't hang out a shingle that says that, can you? Uh, yes, I have. You can. You can. Yes. It's California. See, yes. once again, <laughs> so, the, beli- the incorrect the, belief system. Right. So the medical board has established a standard of care. And as long as I follow standard of care and I'm a... Look, they just want us to be good doctors. So I'm not a doctor where you walk in and say, here's $40. And I say, here is a letter. See ya. Okay? Yeah. When you come to see me, and I've had people complain about this, which I find fascinating. I'm giving... I spend an hour with you. You have access to me for a whole year for one fee. You have email me, you can come see me and so on so that we can work together to find the cannabinoid regimen that will work for you because it's not one size fits all. Some people like the way THC makes them feel. Some people don't. Some people are sensitive to it. Some people are not. We have to go through a little bit of a trial and error period to figure out what works and that's how I see my role as your physician. You try, I'm gonna make some recommendations. Okay, maybe try high CBD, low THC. Let's see how that works out for you. And then you give me feedback. You know, it helped a little bit with my pain, but it's not really helping. Where do I go next? And then I kind of point you in the direction. There's so many different products now that patients need a roadmap to understand or else what happens, you know, when I was a brand new intern, I had a mentor who said to me, um, if you don't know where you're going, any path will take you there. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. I, I believe that. Yes. Okay. But I mean, it was wow. really astounding because I did not know what I, I was a brand new doctor. I did not know what I was doing and I didn't have a plan for the patient. And he felt, you know, he made this statement and then he helped me to become a, a good doctor. Right. No. Um, by educating me. So what I tell patients is you can go into a dispensary and try that and try that and try that and try that. But if you don't have a plan to rule in or rule out kind of the categories that I have broken cannabis into, I break it into categories. THC rich medicine, what does that mean? CBD rich medicine, what does that mean? And that can mean a lot of different things, different ratios, right? the acid compounds, THCA, CBDA. We also have CBG, cannabigerol. We have CBN. We now have THCV on the market. We also have now things that have different labels for terpenes, right? So how are you supposed to negotiate that and know about that when you're sick, you don't know what you're doing, if you don't have a plan? And so for many of my patients, we get lucky and it's the first product that works and they're just feeling better. For some people, they have to try 10 or 15 different products to find really what their, uh, what, what works best for them. And you have to remember you're taking a human as very complex, sophisticated um, system, right? And now you're taking a plant that's fairly complex and sophisticated. It has 500 different compounds in it. And we're trying to find something that, that gels there, that works. And that's not always easy, especially Here in the illness. Show, we, we spoke to the folks from endocannahealth.com, which does its genetic testing. Do you know, Len? It will, it will, it will, it will test the, your endocannabinoid system. And um, we, we got results back. And we have no understanding of what they mean. We're actually going to do a follow-up show. Yeah. Or a sure. We actually coming on. don't right. understand what it told us. Right. So there's some science to believe to kind of understand that that might be something that can help you. 
Right. I don't do that in every patient because I don't feel that every patient needs it. Many patients that come in are already using something and I can see already that they're responders. I would save that for someone who I would call a non-responder. And I would say that in my practice with pediatrics, there's probably about 20% of people, including children, who for whatever reason, we just cannot find what works for them. And many of the families give up, many of them don't. Um, and But part of that is to kind of hang in there and be willing to try different things. And you have to remember that, remember, these are families of kids with special needs. They don't have a lot of money because having a special needs child costs you a lot of money. With and insurance will right. not insurance pay won't cover the you. medicine. No. So after you try three or four, you may be like fed up. Like how much long, how many more am I going to no. try? I never give up on any child. But if we've tried a number of things and we're not getting anywhere, I would tell a family, I don't think they're a responder. And no. maybe it is time to look and see if there's some other underlying condition that we're missing. No. And for fairly complex uh, not not just pediatric cancer, but uh, things like just sleep issues and anxiety. Uh, certainly, I know people who have tried. They've said, "Well, nothing happened. Nothing, nothing worked. It just didn't." I go, "Well, you know, it doesn't work for everyone. But it also, works for many." But also, trying it and saying it didn't work. If you don't know what you're doing, right? If you don't know where you're going, <laughs> any path will take you there. You may not be taking the right dose. I, and again, going back to, I'm not. I don't say 100 percent of the time very often. The patients who come to see me who say, I tried CBD and it didn't work, 100% of them are underdosing. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because they buy a little bottle that has not very much medicine in it, and some people need high doses. So if you look in the literature to treat schizophrenia, there's a study out of Germany, 800 milligrams of CBD a day. Now, nobody would know to do that. Nobody would know to do that. It's massive. It's a very large dose. Pediatric epilepsy. I've got pediatric patients that weigh no more than 30 pounds that take 400 milligrams of CBD oh a day. God. So imagine the cost to the family. But look, if it works, they're going to use it. But you can't expect to take five milligrams. And I, my analogy is if you had a headache, you would not take an aspirin and crush it and take a speck. <laughs> you have to take a dose. So what is a dose? CBD is in a really interesting compound in that you can take 10 milligrams for some people that will work all the way up to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of milligrams. Where do you fall in there? Just depends on your chemistry and how are we supposed to know your chemistry, right? So we start low and titrate up. THC has a much narrower window of uh, therapeutic window. So with THC, most people can find their dose two and a half milligrams, five, 10, 15, 20. By, for most people, unless you're a very experienced, kind of tolerant person, that those low mm-hmm. doses will work. However, for CBD, it's a really wide range. And remember, nobody's going into a dispensary and purchasing a bottle of 6,000 milligrams for two, three, four hundred dollars That's just not what sells in a dispensary, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be in kind of what I call the bite size, right? Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, if there was an award for doing the Lord's work, we would give it to you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> we haven't got around to your work with Canna Centers or with the Weed Maps. Can we get you back here? Sure, no problem. Okay, it's wonderful. It's, you are a pleasure. It's Dr. Bonnie Goldstein. She's author of Cannabis Revealed. She is a. Can I ask a quick question? Of you can. How do patients get into your office, and how long how how long do they have to wait to get to an appointment with you? Because I know you're. Right. I mean, I'm sure you have people from all over the world coming to see you. 
Right. So I don't because as a licensed California physician, you have to be a California resident for oh, okay. me to see you. I can only practice medicine in California. I'm thinking about getting my license in other states, but I'm quite busy here in California. So that we do have families that come relocate here and establish residency. As long as you're a California resident, I can see you. Uh, you don't have to live here you know, every day of every month of every year, but uh, there are requirements that How I have to follow. How does one find you online? Sure, so if you go to canacenters.com, there is a contact form and you can find right. us there. C-A-N-N-A, centers. C-E-N-T-E-R-S.com. Right. Great. Thank you, um, amazing, yeah, just amazing. Um, you even brought Meryl to tears. <laughs> That's not hard, actually. <laughs> not these days. Well, now I know not I'm to a make you cry. Too. I'm a crybaby, too. I get it. Thank, 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 thank you, Phil. Thank you, Janice. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you so much, Dr. Goldstein. This was amazing. Thank you um, so much. You'll find us on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on High in the Hog, the podcast.com. It's Meryl Schindler. Keep listening.